When Gang of View's frontman Dave Leopapa wrote the song Persevere, this is the man that he wrote it for, who we get to interview today. His name is David Andrew, and he is a singer, songwriter, producer, and performer from Sydney, Australia. He's been the studio pianist on the last three projects of Gang of Views, their latest album, Father in Lightness, winning four arias, which for you Americans listening is the major Australian music awards, uh, including the best album of the year. Dave Andrew is also the pianist for Hillsong Church in Australia over many years throughout many of their albums. Today we're going to be hearing the story behind the song Persevere from Gang of Youth's latest album and, and how it relates to this incredible man that the interview is with today. His story is one of how creativity can speak into and bring healing during one of the most horrific losses you can experience. For those who may have lost a child listening today, this content may be both hard to hear and it also may be healing there is also a language warning for this particular podcast. So friends, let's get into today's episode of The Deep Place Podcast. The Deep Place on creativity and spirituality. My name is Joy Prouty. And I'm Joel McCarrow. Welcome to our podcast. And so where everything now currently moves towards death, one day the world will spin in the opposite direction and everything will move towards life. And so everything will move towards unity and closeness and beauty and the things that life tears everything apart. But how do we live a life which knits everything back together? Knitting, like all things being knitted back together in one beautiful rebellion against death, rebellion against entropy. Andrew, he's uh, he's on the other side of the. Well, he's in Sydney, and I'm in Melbourne, so we're talking online at the moment. Welcome to the Deep Place Podcast, Andrew. Thanks for having me. Wonderful to have you here. Um, you're one because probably none of my listeners will know who you are. Uh, so maybe <laughs> we can. So maybe you can just let how I like it. Our listeners know who who is David Andrew. Tell us about your life, your creativity. What do you do? Uh, yeah, so I'm a uh, instrumentalist, a writer, producer. I do. I'm a creative professional, which covers a multitude of sins, um, and work uh, based in Sydney, but work with uh, a ton of different acts um, in the industry side of what we do. I'm some music direct for some people, and uh, then also get to collaborate frequently with a little band called Gang of Youths. Oh, yes. Um, uh, and then also get to be a part of the team at Hillsong Church here in Sydney. Yeah, right. And uh, so do that and then produce artists and write and do little composition things here and there. And, and then uh, front wedding bands on weekends as well. So, you know. Every professional musician fronts the wedding bands on the just, weekends. <laughs> just 
covering all of my bases. Uh, what's your favorite? What, <laughs> what's your favorite song to sing as a as a wedding band? No, my my closer. My closer is um is a uh, teenage dirtbag. <laughs> really, that's a good one. Because you don't you don't expect. See, you don't expect it to win, but it like absolutely slays. So <laughs> maybe let's let's go let's go backwards to start with in terms of um, how you how you took your creativity and created it into a vocation, an occupation, a career, uh, a professional creative. Was that a difficult journey, a hard journey? What did that look like? I look. I think my advice for people when they go, oh, I I want to be a musician. That's what I want to do with my life. I'm like cool, but do anything else that you can possibly yeah. do. Just do anything else. Um, and if you can't do anything else, then you're meant to be a musician wow. because it's, it's hard. It's not a, it's not a glamorous, easy life. And just watching um, the stress of this job and the isolation of this job and um, what it takes to be at the high levels of this job it's not an easy thing yeah. to do. And so I think as a musician, um, as a vocation, like if you can do anything else, yeah. do it. But if, but if you can't, um, that's the kind of uh, determination and life and kind of mindset you need to be in this industry. So for me, the, you know, the vocation of being a creator kind of came about through just not having any other options. Yeah. Yeah. And, then, and then growing, and I kind of did... You know, some of the, I worked as a, a lecturer and a trainer within an education uh, environment, uh, teaching people how to do stuff, and it just it became more and more evident that I, like, I wasn't creating, I wasn't making, and and I really value uh, education, I absolutely value like what people do um, to to help people into those spaces. Yeah. But uh, for me, again, it it seemed like it was. A good fit. It was working within music, uh, working within that kind of stuff. But I, like I, you know, I was I was kind of meant to create. My my life was going out of kilter because I wasn't kind of doing the thing that I felt intrinsically called to. Um, or if you're an existentialist, I wasn't doing the thing that I had ascribed value to. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I just I was left with no options. creativity and, and turn it into a vocation into a um the thing that keeps your children fed and <laughs> a roof over your house yeah has your has your do you feel like your create what's the tension there for you do you feel like your creativity do you s struggle with your creativity because it's now your vocation or are you, do you still feel as creatively free as you did when it didn't have to feed mouths um, no, there's definitely the tension. I mean, I think that creative freedom is, uh, creative freedom is a myth. And, and if you want to attain creative freedom, you find that it, uh, uh, it emasculates you or it, um, how do I, how do I like, so, so my, my point being, I think that creative freedom is actually unhelpful because it's in the constraints that we find uh, something to push up against. And so often, uh, 
you know, you see all those great writers who worked jobs in banks, were disappointed with their lives, and that's what spurred their creativity. But then you yeah. see like all these people who have all these open opportunities yeah. and can cr- create nothing because there's not that pushback and that constraint. Yeah. Uh, so for me, uh, having a job, which I'm so grateful to have, I love that this is my reality. I love that I get to create for a living. Yeah. Um, and, you know, there's a certain amount of the shine wears off when, you know, I mean, the reality of bills do need to be paid. Um, and that in itself can be a constraint that pushes yeah. you forward. Um, I certainly do find, and I still struggle, you know, to this day to, um, with the blank canvas. I think when I've got too much going on, uh, there's the ability to get absolutely lost and swamped in your creativity. But when there's the deadlines, when there's the, the, the parameters are closing in, um, that's when you absolutely find gold. It's like, uh, for me, it's poetry. Once I, you know, I'd read poetry and be like, oh, that's really nice. That's cool. Oh, it emotionally moves me. But then when you understand yeah. the constraints placed on forms in poetry, Kylie Beach taught me this, looking at um, these different forms of poetry, that yeah. um, you have to work yeah. within these constraints and these amount of syllables and these, this is the rhyme scheme and that's what's going on. And when you understand the constraints, the beauty is amplified um, for me. Not only because like, it's wonderful what they did emotionally, but because you understand that they were so constrained and that from that they were able to birth something that was that was gorgeous and wonderful and, and, and evocative and moved you. Um, hmm. So there's that knowledge component as well. Like you understand the constraints and that itself uh, reveals the beauty of what's going on. Oh, I really love it. I love I love the for me it's almost like a redefinition of creative freedom. Yeah. Uh, in totally. Terms yeah. Of creative, totally. Yeah. So maybe it's 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 seeing creative freedom not uh, oh, seeing creative freedom as not having no constraints, but actually it's your perception within our constraint bound lives because we're always going to have those constraints and still being able yeah. to live yeah out of that freedom within the constraints. Yeah, it's it's the basis of life. It's life is not comfortable. Life is it destroys us when we live in comfort, but when we get to create something born out of uh a hardship or struggle or 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 just the the recognition of our of, you know, that humanity we we need to do better. We need to like carry each other. We need to we're actually all in this together. And so while while one person is struggling, we all struggle. Um Recognizing that as our way forward rather than just being unencumbered by life stresses. Like, that's yeah. no life to live. Yeah. I think that humanity would implode. I think that um, I heard Pete Rollins talk about the marriage uh, of perfection, mm-hmm. whereas, like, humanity will seek out um, ways to implode perfection. But if you if you have a marriage based on shared ability to do the hard things, shared ability to, to, to look at life head on and look at our struggles head on, look at who we are together and you build a marriage together, then that's, um, a interesting and something worth doing. And that's the story that you want to live. You don't want to live. There was Tom. Tom had no problems. Good job, Tom. Go to bed. (laughs) End of book. Yeah. There's not going to be much creativity coming out of Tom's life. (laughs) That's not a life worth living. No. 
So my dad was a drummer, drummed in church, um, and I started getting involved in church teams. Um, started learning piano when I was seven years old. Wow. Uh, started playing in our church context when I was 12. Wow. Um, and so being encouraged to, to do that from such a young age, um, especially within the context, especially with the, within a group understanding. Mm. Um, so, you know, my creativity has always been fostered in, in a space of uh, context. So understanding that I don't just exist as a lone wolf, but I have, but what I do relates to um, what other people are doing, what, what other en- ensemble people are doing. And so also, uh, you know, musically as well, like what the notes that I choose to play, the, the chord, the decisions that I make as a musician are, are always within context. So what precedes it, what comes after it, what, how much space do I give around it? How much do I, this understanding of concept has really helped shape my creativity uh, has shaped my approach to music yeah. and art as a whole. And so there's that. So I started kind of playing as a young guy in church teams and then, uh, yeah, I grew up in Mount Isa, did that, kind of got to the end of high school. And then I moved to Sydney uh, to pretty much pursue uh Hillsong, I did so. I did Hillsong College um, while I was there. So, yeah, so I did that. And then I joined uh, like a Van Morrison cover band. Oh, Van this Morrison's is where my life's my favorite. I love Van all, Morrison. All, all the day, man, all, oh. all day long. Um, so, this is kind of where life started to converge a little bit. And I started to um, be playing inside of church and playing on the team and started to play on the Hillsong albums. Uh, within about two years of being at Hillsong and then also started to do stuff outside gigging and learning uh, that kind of industry. And, yeah. Um, so yeah, all the while while I'm doing church stuff and playing in church team and kind of getting to workshop some of the songs that appear in the albums with Hillsong, yeah. um, I'm also cultivating this. Uh, I feel every, I feel like I'm called to it all. Like I feel like art demands to not be boxed into the secular and the sacred. So you're, you're recording pianists these days for Gang of Youths. Um, for those who don't know, maybe in the States who are listening, like uh, they're a hugely famous Aussie rock band and uh, you're the penis for Hillsong, um, which for those who don't know, you've been talking about is, is quite a hugely famous, <laughs> massive Australian Pentecostal mega church with many, many, many thousands of people. Um, and you also do a, a podcast with our mate Jared McKenna, um, who maybe yep. is not as hugely famous as, as Gang of Youths and, <laughs> and Hillsong, but <laughs> he's, a, um, he's a, a social agitator and an activist. He will, he will chain himself to, to our Prime Minister's gates demanding the release of asylum seekers. He's an incredible, incredible person. So, yep. so you, you're part of all three of these realities, which I, I, like I, th- I just think in a world that, is often full of fear <laughs> against the other and there's so much friction between kind of 
cultures and people hearing this who are not part of church land might be like, how the heck could you be part of such a big, massive mega church kind of thing? And other people would be like, how can you be a part of Gang of Views, this reckless rock band? And other people would be, how the heck do you, how are you friends with that that bloody Jared McKenna? I'm just wondering <laughs> how you... I don't know, maybe break down these walls of, of otherness between all, because that's a, that's a whole lot of different types of people that you're involved with. What does that look like for you? How do you hold that tension? Look, I had to do some fairly serious um, uh, deconstruction and reconstruction uh, of myself right. and of my theology. Because um, right. I, I, I think that... Um, what we think about God or what flawed perceptions we hold about God shapes how we move forward. And so for me, again, like those boundaries, I, I'm not interested. I'm really not interested in, in, in the boundaries between those things um, because I um, – and I'm like, if we have a high view of God, if we, have, if we have a high view of spirituality, it means that we acknowledge um, spirituality that transcends our definitions. Like, like if God is to be God, let's be serious. If God's to be God, then he needs to be someone that I am suspicious of. Yeah. Yeah. He needs to be someone that I'm like, I don't, God, I don't know if that is how you should uh-huh. respond. I don't know if you should like, that makes me uncomfortable if you're a God that does that. Um, and that's exactly where we should be because then that starts to go, well, that's the point. Like I'm not – like if I'm the yeah. God of your own imagining, then I'll, of course I'm going to fit within your systematic theology. But if I'm the God yeah, yeah. beyond your imagining and cease to be an idol to you, then I should be someone who you don't always feel comfortable with. Um, and so for me, I love occupying all these spaces. I love um, being friends with, you know uh, – mm-hmm. Uh, Dave, who is a, he'll push uh, back in a way which like often makes you have to really think uh, seriously about your positions. Um, uh, and so, I, and, I lo- and I love that. And I love that um, uh, you, you see God reflected in, in a million different spaces. And this is the beauty of why I love occupying all these spaces is because um, I'm not, I don't, have the the don't get me wrong I do have arrogance but I don't have the arrogance to think that I'm right in all of these areas and so I've got people in my world who actively push back mm. Um, mm. and I love that I love that I have um, the space to be wrong I love that I have the space to be challenged um, I don't want to just hear my own echo chamber I don't want to hear my own thoughts echoed back to me because then that's such a shallow unexamined uh, meaningless kind of a, an existence that, and if we yeah, want to yeah. change the world, which we do, yeah, which yeah. I feel like I do, I want. I mean, I want to raise kids who uh, learn to effectively rebel against the the horrible way in which our world has been set up. Um, then we then we need to to actually have our ideas tested and, and have our ideas. In community, and that's it's the beauty of why I love Hillsong is the fact that I can be a little bit reactive um, and and have different ideas and different theology and different progressive ideas, but um, the community is so wonderfully 
uh, open-armed and inclusive mm. in, in the fact that, like, you get to hold of these ideas and still be in community. Yeah. They're not shunning you from community. And so you get to exist within a space because community is everything. Yeah, yeah. Um, community is absolutely everything. Is because uh, I know that my uh, thought processes and my ideas and my concepts will be different in three years. Like I know it. I know that who I am right now is going to be different in three yeah. years. Um, and so having a space that you can exist in with people who will push back on those comments and still love you and still accept you, but also go, well, I don't really see it like that. And I see it like this over here and I see it like this over here. And so that table theology of like, well, we all come to the table. Yeah. Like we all see it differently. We're all at different spaces, yeah. but we are all welcome. I love that I get to sit next to people who are essentially fundamentalists yeah. in church. Wow. Um, because I, I cannot stomach, I, that's not who I am. That's yeah, not the space yeah. that I inhabit. But I get to sit next to them because um, that's why I love going to church. I go to church because I sit with people I disagree wow. with. That's fascinating. Because we all belong. That is so fascinating. You know, I'm just thinking in a world where we unfriend people who we disagree <laughs> with on our Facebook and our social uh, media streams and we create our own yeah, e- echo no. chambers of our own prejudice, no. like... That's it's yeah. so wonderful to hear, and wonderful to hear. Like it would have been so easy for you going through this journey. Most, a lot of people I know who have gone through it sounds like a journey from growing up in 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 church, in spirituality, in kind of some kind of religious form, going through a, a challenging of it, then end up throwing the whole thing out. Like then they end up throwing Christianity, yeah. church, um, no. Hillsong out. But you actually it sounds like you very intentionally hold these things together in your life for your own spirituality, your own spiritual growth, which is incredible. Yeah. It's, it's kind of the main tenant of why I go to church. There are, there are, I don't, I don't necessarily agree with, uh, with all the theology and, and nor should you as, as yeah, any yeah. thinking person, you should be able to, especially within the realms of, of the divine, like he will challenge us yeah. himself. So you need to constantly be in a place where you're like, Oh, I don't, I don't know about that. That's not a reason to leave. That's a reason to stay all the more because you want to be next to people you disagree with. What I'm wondering is um, holding together these realities, the, um, the people you disagree with, the, um, the constraints of our life um, and our creativity, um, where for you, I know you've had a real, in terms of your own personal life, you've had a massively hard last few years. Um, yep. And a, a bunch of things happening for you that uh, really was those, those um, one where you could have easily just thrown everything out and gone, F it all, I'm out, like, I'm just out. Um, but you chose, yep. you chose again to hold together life. Could you... Can you describe for our listeners and stuff? Can you describe what's what happened for you these last few years, and and maybe how has creativity um, helped you through the reality that you've experienced? So, uh, d- you know, December twenty fourteen, uh, Kel and I, my wife Kelly, uh, we were expecting uh, the birth of our third child, uh, uh, Emmy. Emmy Grace and uh, we were rolling around to like the nine months of pregnancy uh, to like kind of the final stages of that and, and kind of everything was moving towards getting ready to give birth um, and I came home from a gig uh, 
one day uh, and my wife was like, oh, can you, can you talk to your daughter? Can you talk to Emmy? Because um, we had like this wonderful, in, even inside the womb, this really beautiful relationship where she would just go bananas anytime I would talk to her. You, she, you know, it was just, she would kind of move around and, 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 um, and so I, you know, we joked about her being you know, a little acrobat. And so uh, she's like, can you just talk to Emmy? I, I haven't really felt her move. Can you kind of just, you know, come and chat and, and just get her, get her excited, get her to move around a little bit? Um, so I kind of let down and, and went, to, went to talk to my girl. And, um, and there, was, there was no movement. We're like, oh, maybe she's in a, a sugar coma. Maybe she's, you know, she's just uh, whatever. Um, uh, but we, we kind of, like, I think we should just go to the hospital and just check it out. I think we should probably just head up. It's getting towards, you know, the end of the pregnancy. We should, let's just, let's go sort, you know, just check this out. And so we called a good family friend who came and looked after our other two kids and uh, went to the hospital and, um, you know, they hooked us up to the instruments and hooked us up to the machines and we couldn't find a, a heartbeat for our girl. And so, you know, we tried another another machine and, and we couldn't find a heartbeat then. And, um, yeah, I, we just that, that space of, um, that space of, of, of not believing and, and, and trying to pray our way to out of a, a, a tragedy and trying to plead God for a, a different result than what we were fearing. And, and, the doctor kind of came in and went, look, um, the situation is that she, she doesn't, there's no heartbeat there. Um, you know, your, your daughter that you've been expecting is, is no longer with us. She's passed away. Um, we're going to have to give birth to her body and, um, yeah, just walking through this 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 crushing on a number of levels this crushing of uh someone that we had that we had known and that we had been talking to and then someone that we had related to is not just a uh, a one-day person but like as an active already part of our family um but you, you know had passed away was no longer there and then also what do we do with a faith that we taught that can kind of pray us out of any situation and, and we can kind of, you know, it's, it's the first properly like, you know, you had like kind of prayers not happen for you beforehand, but then, you know, it's the first proper situation where you're faced with a failure of your belief matrix, your belief system, a proper failure of your, well, we believe God to be a healer. We believe him to heal. We believe him to be miraculous. We're, you know, we come from a Pentecostal background, so we believe him to be um, present and active and working within our very fabric of our everyday and our situations. Um, you know, our, our theology is encounter theology. We believe to experience and encounter him. And to lose that as well as lose our daughter, um, it was, it, you know, it was a really horrible time um I, rem I remember uh kind of being in the hospital and holding it all together for everyone and and being there you know family kind of came in and 
um, my family is just I adore my family they're the greatest people on the planet my mum and dad are man just like the best examples for humanity for so many different things but uh, with you know what it was a matter of hours before they were there with us in the hospital they just dropped everything they lived in Queensland so they just hopped on planes and kind of came um, and to um, I, I remember kind of everyone kind of coming and everyone everyone's there and supporting and, and we gave birth to Emmy and then we got to share uh, her body and got to kind of grieve with um, this you know this perfect little body that kind of came out um, who had just passed away for you know there was a there was a there was a true knot in the umbilical cord and it was just one of those like unexplainable absurd why how how and why did this happen and we we don't really have the answers for that um and so kind of got to share her her body and and kind of have people pass her around and 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 be able to kind of grieve you know the hospital was great in the fact that we were allowed to have her for you know a day and a half um and then there was that moment I remember where we'd seen everyone we'd kind of everyone that we needed to see we'd seen and and and, um, and we were just lying there uh, Kellen myself and, and Emmy um, in the in the birthing unit on the double bed that we'd been in and um, we'd seen everyone and it was that moment where I'd, I'd it and I had been responsible for everything and I'd seen everything through that I needed to kind of see. Um, and there was no one left to be strong for. Um, and I remember hearing a sound exit my body, exit my mouth that I wasn't aware that I was capable of making this primal, this deep, this guttural, this, 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 this cry of like proper agony and grief, which I'm so grateful for now. Like I'm actually really grateful for that I was allowed to let this out rather than try and bottle this up, but I was allowed to let this scream out. Um, and it was in those moments of um, coming to deal with my own grief. Uh, it was in the moments of uh, st- kind of staring up at God Um and it wasn't, it really wasn't a question of like um, the absence of God, because we knew God in, um, we felt his presence in the fact that like when we should have been on the floor, we were able to hold ourselves. Um, we were able to transition our kids through a moment of grief. We were able to kind of. Um, kind of walk them through this process they got to see her they got to um, hold her they got to um, journey this uh, and we tried to do it as honestly and as healthily as possible and we tried to acknowledge our feelings and acknowledge their feelings and and do this journey really really well uh, as best as we knew how to do as honestly as we knew how to do um so we knew we knew God's presence in the fact that like our reaction should have been way more 
but we felt uh, strengthened somehow um, by all of that. But there was, I, I remember there was a moment where I kind of, it was night time and I was the only one up and I went and took a shower and I just, like I kind of let God just have it. Like I exploded at the heavens. I just, I kind of, I called him a couple of things. Um, yeah. Um, and But I felt like, I mean, not to, you know, not to try and, you know, here's the moral of the story kind of from it or not to try and package it in, into a nice aphorism. But I did feel like in that moment when I had screamed obscenities at the heavens that, um, that I had a response of like, well, f- well f- finally, like I'm not, I'm not the divine formula. I'm not the thing that you expect me to be. I'm not the, I'm not, you know, one plus one equals two. I'm actually a person like divinity as, as a person, you know, and divinity, you know, much more than a person, but also the fact that like we maybe potentially for the first time in my life, I've treated him as like someone to have relationship with not um not a formula to extract my my faith expectations from um yeah and you and you kind of know it you know it emotionally but you there's there's a different knowing there's something when it kind of finally enters your gut and you know that you know and i think that that was one of those moments of you know that you know that like we're dealing with someone um who is not absent from our pain and not absent from our sorrow, um, but is someone who uh, also is a suffering God. So, I mean, that, you know, that, was the journey and then the consequent journey of like the little unpackings of uh, the absurdity of life and the little unpackings of um, how do we deal with what this is? How do I, what do I think of heaven? What do I think heaven is not that we're on clouds when we die, but like the Christian hope is a resurrection of the body. It's new heavens. It's new earth. It's not a disembodied heaven. Um, It's a, it's a it's a reality of the here and now. It's a reality of the present. And for me, going like for my daughter to have been robbed of a bodily experience, um, the promise of a bodily resurrection for me was really important because I just felt the divine injustice of being robbed of um, of of growing up, of being able to share in the world and share an experience, of being robbed of things like her first kiss, of being robbed like. Um, of these human bodily beautiful um, experiences for me that was the thing that I was most pissed off about and and so understanding that um, you know heaven looks like a bodily experience it looks like a sense filled experience it looks like a a taste and see it looks like a touch it looks like a smell Um, uh, for me, that was really, really hopeful. And so these were the musings that I kind of uh, brought into the conversation sitting with Dave going, I, like, I don't question the goodness of God. I think that those questions are kind of not worth my time. Those aren't the questions that I'm interested in, but I am interested in the questions of what 
now and what for the future and what is our view of hope um yeah yeah so the so the lyrics that you hear in uh uh this this song uh persevere uh on the gang of youth record um we're pretty much verbatim the the questions and the statements and the musings of like the conversation of sitting in the car and trying to reconcile uh reconcile all of these feelings and these hopes and these wonderings i never got to kiss your head and the call came the week i got divorced i thought i had a real understanding then of lost but i didn't know fling to you were gone and I'm tired of trying to find some sort of meaningful thing Of making sense of such unspeakable love And as I'm staring at you folks, the sweetest people I know I get a glimpse of what it is to be strong Just holding hands and sobbing with sunglasses on but nothing to me to absurdity as fast as a gravestone with a name of a baby that has passed. I used to want to be important, though I just want to be alive without fear. You got to persevere. Up alive with them, he's dead to me. And I'm shotgun in the car, and we're just shooting this shit. And predictably, the talking turns to God. And I throw him 40 lines out, I don't think he exists. He just smiles and takes a dignified pause. Says it's okay to feel unbelievably lost, but nothing. God is full of grace, and His faithfulness is vast. There is safety in the moment when the shit has hit the fan. It's not some vindictive motherfucker, nor is he shitty at his job. But we're I'm a mess by now Cause nothing tuned me in To my failures fast Is grieving for a friend With more belief than I possess It's not some disembodied heaven He assured me that he laughs He says through tears You got to persevere Persevere 
Dave has had some pretty horrific things happen to him, but he's has the gift of being able to yeah. uh, truly turn the every experience that he has into a form of art. Um, you know, being able yeah. to do that uh, and being able to do that with such skill and eloquence and 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 um, you know beyond skill that that level of beauty that he brings to what he does is, is unnatural and insane and he's a freak of nature um and will always be one of my favorite people let alone my favorite artists um i remember when he sang me the song and showed me the song um and it's very early early forms um and just i to be able to um contextualize what goes on to be able to to give the gift the healing balm of art the healing balm of melody and 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 perspective and and holding all these things together i mean you know i i am a musician and so for me music will always be a form of medication for me like it will always be my easy access point um into the dark and beautiful and chaotic and and lovely places of my life um and so for someone to be able to 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 give um uh, me and my family this gift um man it's beyond, it's it's once in a lifetime stuff it's it's Absolutely. wonderful and and to personally to be able to um i love going to gang of youths concerts and and just sitting or standing in, in the audience and being surrounded by people who sing my daughter's name. Wow. Um, wow. Yeah. Like for me, it's a form of life for Emmy. Mm. 
It's a form of continued existence. It's a form of continued honoring of who she is. Um, that there is still, uh, her name is still said. Her name is still whispered. Her name is still sung. That's so, oh, it's it's hard to put it into words. It's, it's, it does something so significant to me. Um, but then for it also to be, uh, you know, lyrically within a space, which is mm. um, so so healing and so really captures something of the essence of the struggle, but also the essence of um, the nature of who God is. I think, you know, one of my favorite lyrics from that whole thing is at the very, at the very beginning where he talks about um, nothing to me into absurdity as fast as a, as a gravestone with the name of a baby that has passed um, and, and acknowledging the absurdity of life. Like I think we could be we could be caught up and bound up in the question of um, why did this happen to us? Why 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 did this all? And then I think to be able to respond to the question of like, well, life is absurd. Life doesn't always wrap itself up in easy to understand answers. Life. Yeah. Let's start with the assumption that life is absurd. And the beauty of how we now make choices from absurdity. We can't demand of the divine that he gives us the clear answers and, the, and gives us the clear formulas in the way forward. He's absurd because he's a person. Like we, He will not bend to our understandings and our comprehensions. Um, and so we have to start with that assumption, this a good healthy dose of absurdity that we that we can now build a life and and so what do we do with absurdity? Well, we persevere. We question, we doubt, we we wonder, we dream, we we yeah. we have conceptions of God. We we um we find really healthy theology in really cuss laden ways, um, and we persevere. Wow! Did you for for your own creativity? I'm just wondering for your own creativity at that point. Did was it um, was your own creativity a, a point of healing for you there, or were you just totally creatively blocked during this time of grief? Were you, or did it did it flow? Was it ther- was it was it cathartic for you? Your own creativity, or what, what happened there? It's so funny, man. I tried to um, I tried to write songs of like redemptive lament and you try to write you know but we still love jesus even though everything's falling to pieces and which um um, look i i attempted that and couldn't couldn't touch it couldn't go anywhere near it yeah um yeah and then i gave up trying to do that and i wrote a song called god what is this mess um which i think is one of the my favorite things that i've ever written but it's it's a psalmic expression it's a psalmic lament of um uh but you know god basically god what what is this mess what do we do what do we do when um a god who has never forsaken us looks a lot like he may have forsaken us and so we basically it's this hands up of like i can't get my head wrapped around it but you are a suffering god like you're not absent to our suffering you're present in our suffering you have suffered yourself um 
The, so uh, we take solace in the fact that like we don't have an answer, but we know that you have been here. Um, yeah. So, I mean, that's my creativity. It's funny, man. I launched uh, on this this project. I left college because I wanted to create and I started creating a um, this concept trilogy of EPs, um, which I've kind of finished the first EP. And it's all about what are the prayers. I got... Um, uh, inspired by the night offices of prayer in the Eastern church. And so there's this, uh, night office at 12 AM. There's a, there's an office at 3 AM and there's an office at six or just before the sun comes up. And I'm like, what do we pray at, at 12 people of all expressions of humanity can kind of like, what do we say at, at 12 when it's dark and it's cold and we're throwing these, these things up into the air. Um, and so I kind of finished this EP and then, and then it's like, so what do we now the, the second EP is, is 3 a.m., which is, what do we now pray when we've prayed those prayers? And it's gotten colder and it's gotten darker and the night's gotten worse. Wow. Um, oh, wow. And finishing that EP and then, and then we lose Emmy. Oh, right. And I'm like, oh. Right in the midst of that, yep. And so to this day, I've only completed that one song, which is God, What Is This Mess? Some God, what is this mess? My soul can't find its buried end of Undone, it seems that I am left to fend here on my own. Some God, where are we now? I feel alive and dead somehow I'm caught under the waves And I don't mind if I am swept away But it's blowing in strong like a hurricane And I'm trying to outrun these thoughts again That a God who has never forsaken us Looks a lot The strangeness of the mess 
There's also like that weird, um, the thing that comes into play with your creativity is, is that, uh, the perfection is the enemy of art or perfection of like, yeah. is the enemy of getting anything done because you, you want to honor Emmy, you want to honor your yeah. girl, you want to honor, and you just, I feel like everything I write never stacks up to trying to honor that. And so learning to not write perfect songs, but learning to write songs that are a snapshot of where you are and a snapshot of what's going on and letting that actually speak and that be the beauty and that be the perfection. I always feel like I'm never a, a, an expert at art and expert at finishing things. I always feel like I'm a student and a noob and still feel like I center around the the, the starting games, of like the mind games of like, dude, just put pen to paper. Yeah. Stop trying to be as impressive as, you know, your friends. So, um, so yeah, so that's kind of where I'm at in the EP cycle is that wow. I've got, you know, and then the 30 P, which I'm really hopeful for is that space of like what happens when, uh, it's the sun hasn't risen yet, but you know, everything starts to move towards sunrise and you can hear the sounds and you, you can smell the smells and this anticipation of everything coming to life again. And so where everything now currently moves towards death one day the world will spin in the opposite direction and everything will move towards life. And so everything will move towards unity and closeness and beauty and the things that life in its state tears everything apart. But how do we live a life which knits everything back together? And so that for me is the best working definition of heaven that we start to move towards. It's like knitting, like all things being knitted back together in one beautiful um uh, uh, re rebellion against death Rebellion against entropy Maybe just Maybe just to To finish off I've taken a lot of your time um, Maybe to finish off I'm, I'm wondering What What do you Say to people who Maybe other creatives Who are listening to this um, Who Have Experienced Or are experiencing Grief and loss Right now What's what would be your words for them? Um, for people who have, you know, I, I've had people in our world who have lost, uh, you know, lost children, lost babies or lost, uh, you know, it's kind of suffered some of those tragedies. And um, I, I feel like the best gift that I can offer them is going, I look, I've been here and I'm not trying to tell you that it's going to get better, but I have been here, which means that I, I mean, grief sucks but it shapes us into the people that we are becoming and it shapes us into the people that we already are as we are becoming who we already are. But, um, it means that we walk with a different gait. We walk with a different understanding. We have heads in our shoulders. My two kids, um, uh, have, you know, it, 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 grief affects them and, it's, and, and there are the things that you need to walk through and understand and, and deal with with counsellors. But also at the same time, my, my children have their heads screwed on. Like there's something about them which has no time for some of the temporary things of life and some of the temporary gossip at school and, and that kind of stuff. My kids just like, 
Like, yeah, what, whatever. Like they, they carry within them, they've been touched by grief and they carry within them the ability to kind of, uh, you know, go, well, that's temporary and this is stuff that actually counts for something. It's like, you know, our, our good friend, J.K. Rowling with, um, is it the oh, Nargles yeah, where you get to, yeah, J.K., our friend J.K., um, where basically like you, there are things you see because you've been touched by death. There are things that you access because you've been touched by death. These are, these are not things that you want, but we now walk in spaces that we have access to things that other people don't um, because we have gone through grief and grief sucks and grief steals and grief is um, all of those things. But grief is also a central part of our life and we have to um, not welcome grief but we have to uh allow grief to teach us and show us and move us to different spaces because our life is not about comfort our life is about uh being able to do hard things being able to do difficult things being able to do the struggle and being able to have that strength that allows us to keep moving forward that allows us to persevere um so i think you know, the, the, the space of, of grief, acknowledging it, letting it enter into your body. Um, as artists, right, often the best thing that we can ever do is better than any counsellor, although go definitely go see counsellors. Uh, the person, the, our counsellor who helped us through some of these trying seasons, wonderful and, and healing. But we, are, we have been made in a particular way. We have been made in a different way. Um, that allows us to bring into ourselves the experience. Um, create, I think that creatives are healthy when they don't avoid, but they go like this horrific thing happened to me. Bring it in, acknowledge, understand, and out of that birth art, out of that birth a painting, out of that birth a dance, out of that birth a poem, out of that birth um, a, a, a speech, out of that birth like being able to take into those things and bring out, that's the, I think that's God's way of helping us process and move forward. I think that's beautiful when we actually, um, as an, we know that we're artists, we know that we're different from other people. So we bring it into ourselves in order for us to pour out an offering. So Kierkegaard talks about the, have you heard his, his, uh, his riff on the poet? is a poet. A poet is an unhappy being whose heart is torn by secret sufferings, whose lips are so strangely formed that when the sighs and the cries escape them, they sound like beautiful music. And men crowd about the poet and say to him, sing for us again soon. That is as much to say, may new sufferings torment your soul. Oh. Which is which is like horrible, but being on the other side of grief, there's a certain amount of aha. Uh-huh. There's a certain amount of I I get it. And I would and I and you don't wanna wish tragedy on people, but you also now having been on the other side, you go, This gift is so valuable to me because it's so costly. And the, and the life that I live, the way that I express myself, the my comprehension of the world, my 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 operating in the world is so vastly different now, um, and it's and it's a gift. It's a costly, shitty, painful, unwanted 
gift. Um, yeah, it's not being trifled with it, but it's just you walk out different than you came in, um, deeper than you came in, more have a greater capacity for beauty and a greater capacity for for the depth of suffering and for crying and and being in those spaces with with people who are suffering where you can cry tears that are costly with them your tears that you add to their tears are valuable Dave thank you so much for the honour of of hearing this story and your thoughts around grief and it's a real real privilege for us to get to kind of have this snapshot of your life and all that you've gone through and for you to to share that with us thank you my absolute pleasure I'm honestly so honored that I get to share uh, Emmy's life and journey with you know people so thank you so much for thank so you uh, what an inspiring story to hear on today's podcast please do share this episode maybe with uh, someone you know either who's a gang of youths fan or uh, maybe someone who has gone through similar loss and and this could help them as they seek to journey through grief. Uh, a special thanks to Gang of Youths for their song Persevere that we have featured on this podcast today. All the other music, uh, the piano music that you've heard on this podcast today uh, is from David Andrew and all of these tracks you can get on his Spotify account. So look up David Andrew on Spotify. Also check out his and Jared's uh, podcast as well. It's called Inverse. As always, we would love your support with this podcast that we're bringing together um, if you're interested and want to give a, a monthly amount to allow us to continue to do this podcast, the production and the uh, time it takes to bring it all together, then uh, go over to patreon.com backslash the deep place podcast and you can give a monthly amount to support the work that we're doing. Uh, if you can't do that, we'd love you just to, to share this with your friends around the place it would be fantastic. Please do find us on Instagram and you can join the Deep Place podcast community on Facebook where you can share thoughts and ideas and whatever's coming up for you from these episodes. The Deep Place podcast is sponsored by Whitley College in Melbourne, Victoria. So much of today's episode was about being willing to question and wrestle with the deeper realities of God and spirituality and and Whitley really is a place that, that holds that similar kind of safe space for people to ask the hard questions. So check it out at whitley.edu.au. This has been another episode of The Deep Place on creativity and spirituality. Thanks so much for joining us.